listen to anybody who tells you that there is no COVID-19. That is a lie from hell. When you like me and you are feeling all the pains that you feel, you feel you, 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 your body is so painful. It is so painful. And at the same time, there are chills. You cold, you you're sweating, you 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 just can't carry your zap, you know, so just so weak and you you're just standing there at the time it is just between you and your God. You just have to be taking time to be talking to your God and pray whichever pray that you you want to pray and just 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 be talking. But I can tell you now there is um there is a very, you know, um, um, you know, thin line between just recovering and finding yourself on the other side. There is nothing that I can tell you to explain how how it happened, other than to say that God did that for me. It 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 took the hand of God. It 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 really is. Um, what it is and um, you know you get to a point where sometimes um, I was seeing things you know you, know, you hear sometimes you would think oh I think I have COVID well, I'm not really sure but you know, wait until you have it you will know you will not ask you will not ask <laughs> there come some days when you when you lose even the taste of your most favorite food, you can't taste nothing. You cannot, it, you can't, it, it doesn't matter what it is. You can't smell your food. You can't taste your food. You just lie there at a point you can hardly breathe. Lie there by your son. Just praying to God. For a miracle, it feels as if you know there's like there's there's some guy that is sitting on your chest. Maybe not one, two of Mulalo's size <laughs> can hardly breathe. You can't, you can't, you squeeze, you squeeze, you just you you just gasping for. I am telling you the honest truth. I tell you the honest truth. You you will struggle to breathe. You struggle even just to, to sit, let alone stand and carry yourself. You struggle to sleep at night. You can't. Even you try and sleep, you wake up and your, 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 your pajamas are, are like soaked wet. Soaked wet, you have to change in the middle of the night. That's how serious it is. And at a point, you like every time and now and then, you no, know, my wife will come there. Are you okay? I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm flourishing. I'm, but they can see that hey, this man can depart anytime, you know. And I keep saying that I'm fine. The Lord has healed me. But they, they, they could see what they see. I, I just, I just was, I, I, I just. I just maintained my confession. I kept believing God, even against hope.
I had to believe in hope. Seems as though hope is fading. There comes that time. Actually, something has happened. <laughs> I think Muruli and my wife were having a conversation. Uh, this was my son now. Uh, I don't know what was the conversation about. You know, it sounded like they were already planning my funeral. <laughs> and uh, my wife was asking my son, you know what, what if this man dies on us? What's going to happen? You know, people start thinking, you know, why well, this man can go anytime. What's going to happen to us? But I just liked what, what, um, what he said. What he said, I just, you know, it, it really was a testimony for me. I, I don't know where he got that revelation from. You know, very cool, you know. You know, Murray is not a guy who screams around and everything. He just stood there and says, you know, mom, relax. You know, your husband is not going to die. And she asked him, why you say so? He said, he said there is so many people that he still has to have. He said, there's so much work that he still has to do. He says, remember, you even still have to build a church. Not talking about what he thinks I still have to do for him. Think about, in other words, this man has fought a good fight. He has kept his faith, but he's, he's still not finished his work. So, the Lord will keep him. That's the only reason, according to him. He said, you know, there's so many people that your husband still has to have. There's so much work that we still have to do for the church, for the ministry. And that was all. And, and when, he had, when I had that, and I, I really was just amazed where he had how, how, how this revelation came about. So, it would really have been a different story to say, oh, no, no, we still need him here, we still need this, but, but that was not the story. The story was about the work that still needs to be done for the work, for the ministry. And, 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 um, and um, all the things that he believes um, the Lord still wants us to, to do. So, I, I really thank God for what he's, he's done. Not only for me, um, um, there's many other testimonies that we have received during this time from relations, from friends, from family. You know, um, talking to you like this, and, uh, and our helper is also just finishing his uh, recovery. You know, Sister Pauline came to a point where she was dead. She said, I thought today was my last day. I thought I'm dying. <laughs> this thing is serious, eh? Yeah, don't, don't, don't take it lightly. Don't take it lightly. The only way to stay safe is to be safe. You know, there's more things that you're being told to do to stay safe and preserve your land. Those things are very important. Don't take them lightly. Don't take them for granted. It is that important. So, understand that um, um, it is, um, you know, 
it is all in God's plan. And um, there's so much that I believe that um, we still have to do. I so much believe that there are as many of you who have to do. I, I, don't, I don't want to play the, the, the impact and the effect that this thing has on people's lives. I, I know people myself who have died, my own relations and my own friends and my own colleagues. So, so many people who have lost their lives. But um, I just want really to, you know, just encourage you to stay in the Lord and um, continue trusting God and believing God doing the very things that you are doing in our God. It's never in vain. That's why I always say that even when it comes to prayer, the prayers that you pray now, you will need them somewhere down the road. You will need them. Now, I, 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 I do not take it for granted. When you give yourself time just to spend time praying to God, for no reason, you're building the reserves. You are, you are you know, at a point down the road you would want to draw from those prayers. But if that bucket is empty, if there is nothing to remind God of, if there is nothing to, to um, um, talk to God, just to say, this is um, what you have been doing, um, let alone in the house of God. You know, there comes a time when the only thing that you remind to God is, Lord, I am a tithe in the house of God. I, I am a giver in the house of God. I, 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 have, I have so much that I'm yet to do. You don't have to say too many things. You don't have to frustrate yourself or get to a point where you are now, you know, panicking and praying those emergency prayers. Those prayers might not help you at the time. But the small things that you are doing now, those are the things that, that matter the most that will make a difference, that will, that will stand between you and death, that will help you when you, at the, at the most critical time, when you need God the most, more than anything. And before you know, God will move on your behalf. Are you in the valley? That is the message. Which valley are you in, if you are? Let's start from Genesis chapter number 14. Starting from verse 14, just to get the right context. What happened from verse 18 onwards? Verse 14 says, Now, when Abram had that his brother was taken captive. He armed his 318 trained servants who were born in his own house and went in pursuit as far as then. He divided his forces against them by night. And he and his servants attacked them and pursued them as, as far as Hobah, which is north of Damascus. So he brought back all the goods 
You know, one thing I like about the restoration, it goes far beyond what you had. When, when, when God restores you, he not only gives you just what you have lost, he restores you multiple fold. In other words, you end up having more than um, what you may have had. In other times, there's even an opportunity to do better. You know, I like what one man said who, who lost his business with these people who were looting. I must, we must really cancel or pray against this demon of people just deciding to loot things. Must stop throwing stones, man. You know, you just people just wake up, somewhat decide to throw stones, and you, you, the people that you're, you're throwing stones to, first of all, they are not there. They are not the people who are going to, you know, they don't even know sometimes why we are throwing stones. And here's me driving past Alexander. You throw your stone through my window in my car. What do I have to do with whatever grievance that you have? It's not, it's not, it's not, it's not right. It's not good. It's not, it's not a way to express our anger and our grievances and whatever we are unhappy with. There, there are better ways to do so. Better ways to do so. You can write a petition to the government, a thousand pages, and tell the government all the things that we are unhappy with, and say to them, come next time we vote. We won't vote you. We will vote for a new government. And that way, whoever you're angry with is no more going to get a chance to make you angry. They are out. And you've made your voice much louder and bigger. You are heard. And the problem comes when you're going to go and throw stones and come back when it's time to vote. You vote the same people that you're throwing stones to. You throw stones to my car. Throw stones to those people. Not to just anybody else who's driving past, you know, it's not right. There are better ways to express our grievances. And if we use that wisely, we'll get to see the changes that we desire to see. Anyway, I like what one man said when, when he went to one of his warehouses and it was gutted down. This one thing he said is that we are going to rebuild and will build better. And the man was like looking at, at his, uh, uh, you know, the, the entire warehouse, everything that was inside, the, the trucks, the vehicles, the machinery, everything was gutted down. And he says, we're going to rebuild. And when we build, we'll build it better. Much better than we had. And I thought that, that is just, that is just, you know, wisdom. That is just, you know, um, God speaking. That there is such an opportunity. 
to be able to, when you've lost something, you're not, you're not spending time crying over what you've lost, but you're seeing an opportunity to do better, be able to change certain things. Anyway, the Bible says in verse 16, so he brought back all goods and also brought back his brother Lot and his goods, as well as the women and the people. Verse number 17, it says, and the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Shevet. That is the king's valley. After this, after his return from the defeat of Shadloman and the kings who were with him. You know, sometimes it is very much possible to find yourself in a valley after having attained such great a victory. It is very much possible that you find yourself in, in that valley. And there are things that if you do and you do run, it will have it will determine whether you come out of that valley that you are in. What valley are you in? Yuzan. Look at what happened in verse 18. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. It is when we are hearing for the first time about the bread and the wine. The bread which represents the body of Christ that we partake of the communion today. And the wine which signifies his blood that was shared for us. And this is what Melchizedek did then, long before Christ came. Then, if you look at not the last part in, in verse 20 that says that he gave him a time of all, of everything, of everything, a tenth of everything. Then verse 21 says, Now the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the peasants and take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I've raised my hand to the Lord, God, God most high, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap. And that I will not take anything that is yours. 
lest you shall say, I have made Abraham rich. Except only that the young men have eaten, and the portion of the men who went with me, Anna, Esco, Mamre, let them take their portion. When you still event, let me read you Hebrews chapter 7, verses 1 to 4. This Melchizedek was king of Salem. And the priest, the priest of God Most High. He met Abraham returning from the defeat of the kings, and he blessed him. And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. First, the name Melchizedek means king of righteousness. Then also, king of Salem means king of peace. Without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of life, resembling resembling the Son of God. Talking about Melchizedek. Says he resembled Christ. Says he, he remains a priest forever. And this four says, just think how great he was. Even the Patrick Abraham gave him a tenth of the, of the plunder. How great this man was. From what you read, let me read you, let me give you just some few points that perhaps will help you to get out of the valley that you may be in today. To get out of that undesirable situation that you may find yourself in. What are the things that you can do that will help you to be able to come out of that situation triumphantly so, victoriously so, with such a great testimony, if not testimonies for your own son, of what we just read, I need to just um, give you some pointers or things that you can do in your situation today that will guarantee you such a victory, that will help you to come out of it and even be much better in a manner that will help you to do better in your situation. Not only that you find yourself coming out of that particular situation, but you now, you now better equipped, you now understand certain things, you now, you know, able to do things that will help you improve your life and do better in your situation. Number one, as you have read, the first thing that you need to learn to do 
when you find yourself in such a predicament or in such a situation. Number one, you must partake of the communion. Very important. We speak of the communion all the time. And in this church, we do partake of the communion every Sunday. I would want it that we do it every day if we can. If you can, even in your house, learn to do it every day. That is what Melchizedek did for Abraham. The Bible says he brought bread and wine. And many a times you hear about the disciples themselves breaking the bread and partaking of the communion daily so. Daily. That is what the early church was doing. What is this holy, what is this communion? After all, what, why is it called communion? A communion, not just communion, it's a holy communion. What is holy? Holy means set apart. That is just to say that God has set you apart from the rest. He has set you apart for his glory. He has set you apart from everybody else. That is why he says, you didn't choose me, I chose you out of this world. He chose you for a reason, that you bear fruits and your fruits shall remain. He set you apart that you cannot afford to find yourself suffering from the common sicknesses and common diseases and common problems that everybody is going through. He has set you apart for himself. For his, just, just that alone must say this is something that is important. Communion, the right rendering is koinonia, that is to say that you need to have that intimate and personal relationship with God. So when you are communing, communing or partaking of the communion, there must be there must be that thinking in you that you are drifting closer to Him. You are getting to, to know God better. You are building in the relationship you have with Him. You want it that there is there is this personal and intimate relationship. Every time after you partake of it, that is how you must feel. That I'm now closer to God than I was before. I'm now, I'm now in a better position. I'm in a better place. I'm in a better relationship with God. I now understand God better. I know certain things that I had not known before now. I've now received such... You are, you are in that personal space in Him. You've now found your place in Him. You have that... There's that intimacy. There's that, there's that personal relationship that you now, you now enjoy. You know that you, you, you know, um, 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 you, know you, 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 you qualify, you deserve such a relationship with him. It becomes, it must be very personal. It's a very personal thing. You, 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 you shouldn't take it lightly. It's not just something that we do as a, you know, um, um, you know, like it's a ritual. That when you do, um, you, you know, you just do it. That, that is why it becomes very important 
that you know we, we don't just do it anyhow. Your your attitude must be right. Your 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 thinking towards him must be right. You you are now focused and 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 and, and be thinking of what is what is done for you at the cross. You are seeing his sufferings, his pains, his beatings, his stripes, and his blood, everything. And every time you you get kind of you now relate to it and bring it home and get to understand what was what was the what was the main purpose for him to go through all that. He it was it was it was for you. Even if you were the one person who existed, he would have still died for you. He was still gone to the cross for you. That is how important you are to God. So this is the one thing that when you do, and you're doing it in remembrance of him, with the right attitude and with the right mindset, will make a huge difference in your life. You need not even have to say uh, too many other things or, 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 or pray, you know, um, 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 to God, um, you know, um, you know if being frustrated or anything. But just this alone will make a huge difference. That is how important it, it took the high priest, Melchizedek himself, to bring bread and wine to Abraham after such a victory, a defeat of the kings, it was, it means it is that important. You cannot just take it for granted. Be able to see how, how important this is in your personal life today. Number two, give your tithes. Bible says that Abraham gave a tenth of everything to Melchizedek himself. These are things that you need to learn to do. The same way that as when we partaking of the communion, you know, if I was to invite you to my house and the table is set, we sit around the table for a meal you're not only just going to you're not only just going to you know suddenly enjoy your meal and disappear you know that is that is not what is intended you will stay there you will thank the people who prepare the meal for you you will recognize um, the owner of the of the house the one who said to prepare the table for you is the right thing to do. So you can't just, even when you're taking, partaking of the communion, you know, you just quickly grab and, and take it and disappear and not recognize, not recognize him and what is done for you. But that, that, that is what is most important than the act itself. It is what is most important, what is done for you. The fact that he was able to um, um, give his, his own life so you may have his yourself. 
That is what, what you need to focus your mind on. Remind yourself of this truth. Because that will help you. Your personal life. So it's very important to recognize the one who gave you the victory. It's very important for you, even when you get to enjoy the harvest of some sort, the fruits, you not only focus on the fruits, you still have a responsibility to take care of this, this, this tree that is bearing the fruits that you enjoy. Otherwise, if you only focus on enjoying the fruits, that tree might die and there won't be fruits the next time around. You may now end up enjoying that last and suddenly the brook has dried up. Nothing. There's nothing more to enjoy. And that is where it becomes very important for us always to have that intimate relationship with him. Number four, you must learn to glorify God whilst you're still in the valley that you're in. Glorify God from that situation that you may be in. Number five, diligently obey the Lord. Diligently obey the Lord in everything that you are you are doing. You must be able to obey God diligently so without any failure. Be able to understand how important it is for you. No wonder the Bible says, if you see a man being diligent in his work, he will stand before kings and not before just ordinary men. Being diligent is very important. Zechariah chapter number 6 verse 13 says, It is he who will build the temple of the Lord and will be clothed with majesty and will sit and rule on his throne. And he will be a priest on his throne. And there will be harmony between the two. The crown will be to Haggai, Tobijah, Jedi, and Hen, son of Zephaniah, as a memorial in the temple of the Lord. Those who are far away will come and help to build the temple of the Lord. Those who are far away will come and help to build the temple of the Lord. And you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. This will happen if you diligently obey the Lord your God. Our vision to build God such a magnificent house is now more than agent. It is something that 
we need to revisit and pay very careful attention to begin to walk as such. Begin to do the things that needs to be done for us to prepare for such a magnificent house that we need to build for the Lord. There is now that sense of agency that we need to move by the speed of the Spirit to say to it that that work is done. And everything has, has its own time. That we need not find ourselves having to procrastinate beyond the appointed time. The, beyond the time that the Lord himself has appointed. Number six, know that you are the joy that was said before him. You are the reason he went to the cross. You are the joy that was said, that was said before him that made him to endure the cross. Number seven, you must rest in him. You know the biggest struggle that we have as Christians is a struggle to rest in him. To get to a point where we have ceased from our own struggles. We have ceased from relying in our own prayers, in our own faith, in our own ability. You know, you know, it's a struggle for somebody to say the Lord has healed me. Even when they, even, even, even after the, after the, that person is healed, they, they're still struggling to convince themselves that God has indeed healed me. It's a struggle for them to understand that they, he came that they may have life and have it in abundance. It's a struggle for them to get to a point where they have this conviction in their spirit that I need just to cast all my cares upon him. He cares for me. After all, he said, come you all that labor and I have you laden and I'll give you rest. Are you resting? Are you resting? Or life is just a continuous struggle. Do you get to that point where you are resting? You are convinced in your spirit that I am now resting in him. And just begin to enjoy the life that you have in Christ. And all the promises God has made concerning you. Before you know you are walking in them. You are walking as such. So, it's very important to get to the point where you have now ceased from your struggles. Learn to trust God. Depend on Him. Even under 
the most difficult of the circumstances. In everything that is to do with you, you must always have this thinking in mind that God is in control. He is still in charge. It might seem as though there are things that are not, are not happening the way that you may be expecting, you, you may have expected, but you continue glorifying God even in that situation. Psalm 110, the Bible says, The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion, saying, Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your troops will be willing on your day of battle, arrayed in holy splendor. Your young men will come to you like dew from the, from the morning's womb. The Lord has shown and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will crush kings on the day of his wrath. He will judge the nations, heaping up the dead and crushing the rulers of the whole earth. He will drink from a brook along the way. And so he will lift his hand high. Praise God. Number eight, you must expect such a special visitation. You might be in the valley, but do expect such a visitation. Melchizedek visited Abraham in that valley of the kings. He, he visited him and brought the bread and the wine for them to commune at that critical moment it is very important that even where things may seem to just be so wrong there might there doesn't seem to be any any hope left that in that moment you are still expecting such a special visitation from God. Number nine, you need to open up your mind for the scriptures to bring in new revelation, new understanding. If you read in Luke 24, the beautiful version, the beautiful portion of the Bible, that, um, You know, it's very interesting what happened in this story. Luke 24. I'll read you from verses 13. This was after the resurrection. And um, of course, 
the women went to the grave when they couldn't find him they ran back to the eleven those apostles and they now were saying to him that uh, he is not there in the tomb they couldn't believe them and Peter ran to the grave to the tomb and didn't find um, 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 uh, Christ and um, you know they, they they came together by themselves and they were they were now you know um, having this um, um, sort of a conversation but in this particular time I just you know I just want to to to, to pay this to pay attention to this you know what happened here what 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 made him to appear to these two disciples who were they who were they anyway and they were just journeying home and uh, suddenly if you read from uh, verse 13 it says here now that same day two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from jerusalem they were walking they were talking with each other about everything that happened as they talked and discussed these things with each other jesus himself well, i like that statement you know to be good enough just saying jesus you know came up and walked along them jesus himself in a flesh says here he came up and walked along with them but they were kept from recognizing him they didn't know it was him they didn't know here is these two men oh a man and a woman i think this cleopas and uh, maybe the other person was his wife well it must have been mary the sister to his mother anyway the bible says they were kept from recognizing him then he asked them what are you discussing together as you walk along they stood still their faces downcast one of them cleopas asked him are you the only one visiting jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days are you the only one who's visiting then he asked what things then they started explaining about jesus of nazareth they replied he was a prophet a powerful in word and deed before god and all the people the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to to be sentenced to death and they crucified him but we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. They were talking to him about himself. This is explaining to this to this man. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. 
They came and told us that they seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb. Talking about some of the apostles. They went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are. How slow to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. He explained to them, the Bible says, beginning with Moses and all the prophets. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. He went in to stay with them. Look at what happened next. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their son. You know this bread that you're partaking is so very powerful. Oh, may it be that as you partake of this bread, your spiritual eyes will be opened. That you are able to see. Your heart will be burning with that desire, with that passion for Christ. Look at what they ask each other here. Were not our hearts burning within us? When last that you had had such an encounter with him, that your heart is burning within you. You feel this burning sensation. This, this was just, you know, uh, practically so. Literally, what they were saying, that their hearts were burning within themselves. While he spoke with them on the road and opened the scriptures to us. What a revelation. They're now talking among them. Oh, well, our hearts not burning within us as he spoke to us and opened up the scriptures to us. That is my desire for you. That when you hear the scriptures, you, your heart will, will start burning from within you. That you be stirred up in your faith. You get to receive such a revelation. Get to have such an understanding. And begin to see the things that he has desired for you to see. Then immediately they go up and they return at once to Jerusalem. Another seven months. They couldn't keep it to themselves. They had a testimony to share. It says here, they, they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then they too told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. When he broke the bread. That is what I really want you to Pay very careful attention to and begin to use this to your advantage, to your benefit. 
so that your spiritual eyes and ears can be open. You get to hear God in a special way. Have such an understanding of who God is and what He's come to do in your life and in your situation. Lastly, learn to pray earnestly in order for God to sustain you in your victories. It is important. You can read yourself in the book of Acts chapter number 12. You read from the beginning. Herod arrested James and Peter. He just killed James. And Peter was next. He was, he was, he was going to die after the Passover is finished. And the Bible says that the church was praying earnestly so. The church was praying. Peter was in prison waiting to die. This man was as good as dead. So many guns around him. And the Bible says that the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the night and nudged him. Let's wake up. Put on your garments and let's go. From there onwards, one door after the other, they just kept opening by themselves of his own volition. Until the man find himself out of the city, he went to the very house where they were praying. Rhoda came to the door. She heard that it's Peter. She couldn't even open the door. There was so much excitement. She ran back to tell everybody that Peter is at the door. They said, no, you're dreaming. Must be his angel. To them, that man was dead already. Say, no, it can't be true. How interesting this was. That the church prayed earnestly. And that is what made a difference. That this man found himself out of that prison. And that is what, what brought about that change. What happened in his, in his personal life. The church was praying. Let us be a prayerful church. This house must be the house of prayer. That we need to offer such prayers at any given time. There comes a time when you just come together and be saying that we, we are going to just be praying for our own brethren, for our leaders, for our families. Be able to pray such prayers that will release chains of bondages. This man was waiting to die. The chains fell off. The doors began to open. He walked out of that prison and had such a great testimony. That is what the Lord said to us this month, that be a man of continuous praise. We are going to be so praying. We will spend so much time in prayers. As I said to you, even in the last week or so, that's what we need to learn to do for this particular purpose. This month, we are going to pray such continuous prayers beginning from this week for the next 30 days, the whole month, three days, 
Three times each day we pray. 30 minutes, five times to pray. Whether you are a man or woman who wakes up 12 midnight or 6 a.m. in the morning, 5 a.m., 12 in the afternoon, at any given time, pray. Make time to pray. We start this week with the prayers of thanksgiving. We're going to just be giving thanks to the Lord. Then the second week we shall pray such intercessory and traveling praise. We're going to intercede for our fellow brethren, for those who are in the darkness, those who are yet to give their lives to Christ, those who are lost, who must still come to Christ. We're going to so intercede for them that you will see People coming from afar, from every direction, from unknown places, God will bring them to you for a reason. And when they come, you want to pray with them. You want to share with them the word of God and begin to help them to understand who Christ really is. In the third week, we're going to pray a prayer of faith. You know, the prayer of faith, Bible says, shall heal the sick. Or it, it is going to be miracles galore. Miracles upon miracles. As we are praying, healing miracles will be taking place everywhere. You'll be receiving testimonies from unknown people, from unknown places. Just be praying. Make time to pray such a prayer of faith. And in the last week, we will make time to pray such a prophetic prayer. You know, this is an opportunity when you, when you, when you have to be putting things in place in your own personal life. You prophesy to yourself, prophesy to your own family, to your nation, to your leaders, those around you, you pray prophetically so. You speak things into being. You're able to call things that don't exist as if they existed. Say things by the Spirit of God that will help you to bring about, you know, bring them to fruition. It becomes something tangible. You will seeing them in the realm of the Spirit. Begin to pray and focus your mind in that particular direction and begin to prophesy. Speak life where there is none. Where there is no hope, you bring about hope. People might be discouraged and discontented and de de dejected and have lost hope. You are able to give them hope. You pray for them. It doesn't matter who they are or where they are from. I like us to end this man by fasting and praying. For at least seven days. The last seven days of the month, we fast and we pray. And I'm saying this to you so that you prepare yourself now. If you need to start cutting down on your diet now, start now. You know, sometimes there are people who, when you say we are fasting, they just decide, I'm not going to fast. You, you, you wonder how some people think. 
Why? Why would it just be so rebellious? Why would just, you know, already a person has made up their mind, ah, no, no, pastor fasting is not for me. Why is it not for you? You are, you are, you are like this. Your life is what it is now. And you're still thinking fasting is not for you. What are you waiting for? What do, what, what do you want to happen that will make you think that it is important for you to fast and pray? You know, sometimes it doesn't always have to be something drastic that happens in your life that you now suddenly decide, oh, by the way, I need to make some time to fast and pray. It is my prayer that you bend on the inside as you hear the scriptures, as you hear the word of God. It is my prayer that that passion for Christ will be rekindled in your life. You'll hunger and thirst after righteousness, after the things of the Spirit. And through the Word of God, you continue, through you, the Word of God will continue to spread and to increase. That is why the Bible says in the city of Ephesus, so mightily the Word of God grew the Word of God and prevailed. The word of God is going to prevail because of you. You shall receive a new revelation and a new understanding as you search the scriptures. Keep speaking the oracles of God. Begin to speak the, the, the heart and the mind of God to mankind. And every circumstance is as you are praying, those chains of bondages will be released. They will be broken down. Those cases will be removed from your life. If there is a curse of poverty upon your life, it will be removed. If there is a curse, any form of a curse that is upon your life, maybe there are as many people that have died in your family. As you are praying, that curse will be removed from your life. It be the end of it now by the prayers that you are praying. Every tongue that rises against you, the Bible says that it shall be condemned. You will not need to fight, lift a finger to fight your battles. He says, I'll fight all your battles and win each and every single one of them. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. You, you continue to bring about such a change and, and improvement in your personal life. When men are cast down, thou shalt say there's a lifting up. There's a lifting up in your spirit. There's a lifting up in your finances, in your home and in your relationship. You need just to give yourself time to glorify God, to pray to God, and to worship God, to sing psalms and hymns, and begin just to pray to God. Begin just to get yourself in that in that in that mode, in that spirit, that you are able to have such a fellowship with the Holy Spirit. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May He be gracious and kind to you. May He keep may His countenance so forth in your mind. May he keep his face turned towards you and watch as you continually, that you continue being fruitful and being productive in every good work. His hand is mighty upon you. You shall not lack any good thing in this land. Poverty is not your portion. His hand is mighty upon you. It is mighty upon your home. It is mighty upon your families. None of you shall die young. Your lives are preserved. You will continue prospering in everything that you do. You shall always be led and guided by His Spirit. Everything that you do by the action of His Spirit, He will reveal Himself to you in a much greater, in a much greater measure 
all the time. In this month, you will walk with God. You will not miss God. You hear his voice and you hear it clearly. When he speaks to you, when he says to you that this is the way in which you shall go, turn right or turn left, be able to continue walking with him.